the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Things keep getting worse in Israel. We talk about that. And then, what is a trait that most successful kids have? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Thursday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. Uh, on a Thursday afternoon, it is fall. It is it is nice. It is cool outside, but mm-hmm. we are glad to have you with us. Yes. If you've missed any of our shows this week, go get that podcast, wherever it is, get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com. Aubrey, happy Thursday. How are we doing today? Uh, how's the book selling? Is it still you know, dominating Amazon. It is dominating Amazon. It's actually doing really well. It's like still, still a top new release. It's like number four in kids Christian lit. And then it's, I mean, in kids lit in general, it's probably like 800, but that's amazing. And then overall on Amazon, it's doing really well too. So I'm very, I'm very pleased. It's a great lunch week, but mostly, and I don't, and I mean this really sincerely, like this sounds like a thing people just say, but I actually mean this. The way kids have gotten like involved in this book, like somebody was, somebody sent me and I posted a picture of it. Like they made a little, a little doll version, like a mini version of the book for their dolls. And somebody else was telling me that their kids were setting up like a little library with the book. And somebody else just sent me a picture of them reading it to all their grandkids and people pointing at Jesus and somebody else coming in and saying like, read big feelings days to me and somebody else this was really precious somebody else sent me a video of their kid reading it their kid can't read right so they're just looking at the pictures going like and jesus says when there's a storm he's with you like they're just it's so precious so i think just like stewarding the, the little hearts that are reading this book and them experiencing jesus in a fun way is just like I mean, I could cry. Like, it's so good. That's so, good yeah, it's really good fun. Well, yeah, it's fun. really fun. That's fun. Uh, yeah, that that is uh, that's got to be great feedback to get because you probably don't get that uh, a lot with books that you just kind of yeah, like. Uh, yeah, this is really really special. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, well, we are glad that you're joining us today. Let's take what is a hard right turn, Aubrey. I wanted to just touch on what's going on in Israel, right? Like it feels like it's such a big deal that that can't be just a one time. Hey, let's talk about it. Hey, we did that now. Like that is overhanging everything. And this yeah, was, uh, uh. here's what I read, I think yesterday at uh, Fox News, uh, Iran delivered ominous warning after Hamas blames Israel for the hot, for the hospital blast. Now, most people are saying that that hospital blast actually was a misfired rocket from mm. uh from one of the terrorist groups, but mm. you know, it's being used against Israel and just a terrible yeah. scene. Yeah. But here was the ominous warning. And when I read this, it kind of sent chills up my back. So uh, sorry to everybody about us uh, starting in dark places here, but yeah, uh, it is the what it is. Right? Gave, <clears throat> the warning Iran gave was just a three word warning. Um, and it was this 
time is over. Uh, oh. The time is over. And you're like, whoa, that seems ominous. And if you read this. Yeah, it does. Wow. There is uh, the, the one of the points of the article is that there's just like world leaders are worried about how mm. far this is going to balloon. Mm. Like they're using words mm. again. We're a long way from it, I would suggest, but they're using words like World War Three. Yeah. Like how yes. do we keep this from getting to World War? And we've always known that 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 area of the world is such a powder keg, but mm. you know, to be far away from it, but but to be go, whoa, this is like Yeah, this this, this something. It, it's ballooning into something really, really big, not just a regional war. But like you said, I've heard people throw around world war. Now hopefully you know, it does not progress to that. But I think you're just right to kind of pause and go, okay, this is a really big deal. Like Iran says something like, what was it? This is over or now it's over. Time is over. Time, time is, is over. over. I mean, and like that's time a, for what, you know? Right, right. Like that's a, that's shocking. I, I did see in the same article, Pope Francis uh, was urging people on Wednesday to take the only one side in the Israel-Hamas war, the site of peace, and call for a special day of prayer at the Vatican next week. Um, so I, you know, I think the fact that he's urging believers to take one side of conflict, the side of peace, and pray that God would bring an end to this fast um, is, you know, it's a meaningful call for all of us right now as we're watching this escalate into something really, really I mean, it's been horrific, but continue to escalate into something really, really, really terrible. Yeah, and the the hard part for, uh, you know, for all of us who are watching this from a distance is like you can see this. There, there is a definite avenue where you can see this ballooning and oh yeah, spreading. And because the this is not necessarily nations. This is ideologies and ideology mm. ideological wars and battles mm. uh, are always bloodier and yeah. more passionate. Wow. And like you you read the wow. the stuff coming from Hamas and stuff. It's like no we our goal is to wipe Judaism off the face of the earth. Uh, and then you read, you know, Netanyahu from Israel, we are going to wipe Hamas off the earth. Well, mm. That's that that's hard to have peace talks about, right? <laughs> like it's hard to do this. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so, We've been asking this question a bunch of different ways, but I think it is the question for those of us far away, but who are yeah. watching is like, what, what do we do when mm. you read time is over and wipe out? And, you know, this is, you know, you hear Hamas yesterday or two days ago in areas calling like for a day of anger. Oh, you're like, whoa. what is that? Like, whoa. like there is. I, here's the deal. I'll put it this way. When I watched the Ukraine and Russia stuff back whenever that started, mm -hmm. I was burdened by it. I was interested in it. I wasn't scared of it. Like, yeah. oh, this is going to end up on our doorstep. Mm. There's a little bit of that when you watch this stuff going like, how, where, when does this end? And what does our involvement end up being? And it, it can raise fear in a lot of us. Yeah. That. yeah. That's that fear that we've got to wrestle with a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, I think we are seeing that uh, what the U.S. Department of Defense issued like a ready to deploy orders, right, for I think mm. it was like 2000 troops. Is that right? I, I didn't I, see I, that. That's interesting. I mean, you know, my guess is always in these kinds of things that there have been secret deployments that we don't know about, but there hasn't at least been anything publicly that's happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it is like you're watching something that is 
very overwhelming and very scary, you know, has the potential to be this like powder keg that the ripple effects are unending and could last for years. And like, yeah, who, how many nations are going to get involved in this? And I think that was really powerful to say wars of ideology are like, whoo, dangerous, right? Hard. Yeah, yeah. There's um, a reason through the years, through the through history, that religious wars have been the mm, bloodiest wars. Yeah, right? like yeah. It's, it's ideological. So the question is, what do we do? And to be honest, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I and I think it's okay to start there. I don't know. Like, I think we need to start. This is very overwhelming. Right. We don't know. For some people, this might cause a lot of fear. For others, they are watching this saying, look, this is this is Jesus is coming back. This is a sign of it for, you know, other people, you just kind of go about your day. You have to run your errands and take your kids to school. And so you can't, your eyes cannot be on it all the time. But I, I do think there has to be some, like, I don't know what to do. Lord Jesus, please help us. So you pray, answer the Pope's call to do, have a day of fasting next week. Um, And then I, I do think it is worth the time to, as much as you're, your spirit can bear it. Pay attention to the news. Like not mm. all the time. Like yeah. it's like what I'm going to say is both and, and then turn it off and then yes. go back to your life and then go for a walk and then stay grounded. And like, you cannot be consumed by this or else it could seek to destroy you. But I also don't think it's right to stay totally numb to it and not know what's going on. And so there has to be some ability to kind of like tune in and, I understand that there's privilege in saying check out, but I think that also matters too. Yeah, I think it, it absolutely does. Like you can't get overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, I think being prayerful and yeah. I think our kids are seeing this. So talking to our kids about yeah, what's that's going good. on, yeah. uh, I, I think is important. And speaking of kids coming up next, there was a Harvard, Harvard trained parenting researcher that said something about what most successful kids have. And we're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Aubrey and I are both parents. Um, My kids are 14, 16, and 19. By the way, my daughter is a month away from, uh, less than a month now, a month from Tuesday from turning 20. No. She will no longer be a teenager. No way. She's like, does that scare you, dad? I said, next year will scare me more. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) 21 21 is a little bit scary. Yeah. 21 is a little bit scary. always the bigger one. Oh man. She turns 20 uh, in another month or so. So, uh, you know, we're a little bit further down the road than some of you, but when you think about your kids, when you think about your grandkids, the question becomes like, what what makes them successful? What's going to, what do we want in them? And I was reading this and would love to get your thoughts on it. There was a Harvard trained parenting researcher that said most successful kids are quote, healthy strivers. And here's what their parents always do. So you might be like, well, what does it mean to be a healthy striver? Yeah. What does that mean? Healthy strivers are resilient and self-motivated to succeed Hmm. but who don't believe that their accomplishments determine their value as people. They stand in contrast to most of today's teens who've been tossed into a hyper-competitive environment in school, sports, and other extracurricular activities. Hmm. So a a healthy striver is trying to succeed, right? They want to win the game. They want to get the A. They want to. So this isn't about your kid is like, whatever. Yeah. Um, But – 
that they have they have a a healthy enough self image and self esteem so that it is not their self worth uh, is somehow not tied up in what did I get on that last test? Did my team win the tournament? Uh, there's going to be a lot of parenting strategy out of this, but uh, it, your oh man made me. I think that's that's the reaction because I, this makes all the sense in the world. Like this yeah. makes for healthy kids, yeah, uh, and healthy adults. We'll say, but this makes for healthy kids. But how do you get there? Like, do we live like they said in a hyper competitive age? Well, yeah. I mean, that's I think why my my jaw is like whoa because I feel like this is. Everybody, like mm-hmm. everyone I know is like battling this. Like, how do you achieve without making the achievement your identity? Right. I, interesting. Uh, there's a psychological trait they talk about in this article called mattering. Yes. This is where I wanted to go. This, this is, is fascinating. Why. Do you want to talk about it or can I set it up? Nope, it, go ahead. This idea of feeling valued by family, friends, and community for who you are deep at your core. I mean, it, it, you know, sometimes yes. there are these moments in life where the gospel just meets sci- scientific research, and this is it, right? Like, mattering is just like the heart of like, mattering in community and being loved and valued for who you are deep at your core. Like to me, that's like, yes, that's how God loves us. That's what the church is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, I, wow. I think this is so, this is fascinating. And as parents, how do we help our kids feel like they matter? How does the church take on mattering as like kind of a mission? I think this is so interesting. I've never heard that phrase before. Mattering makes all the sense in the world. It does completely. They said mattering is the idea of feeling valued by family, friends, and community for who you are, as you said, deep at your core and being relied on to add meaningful value back to your family, to your schools, and to your community. Hmm. Uh, She found this researcher found a correlation between healthy levels of teenage self-esteem and feeling, quote, like they mattered to their parents, that they were important and significant. She Mm. said, that's the feeling you want to enforce as a parent. Wow. uh, She said, mattering acts like a a protective shield that buffers against stress and anxiety and depression. It wasn't that these healthy strivers that I met didn't have setbacks or failures, but mattering acted like a buoy. It lifted them up and made them more resilient children get more confidence from being known and understood by their parents than from receiving direct praise according to harvard child psychologist richard weisbord so take stock of the conversation topics you bring up most often with your kids shift the balance away from grades and more towards the hobbies and interests that seem to actually bring them the most joy like there's a lot here they talk earlier about uh do our kids play sports uh, in in their sports, like search out the approval of their parents by winning mm. or succeeding. Is that what we always say to them? Like, hey, great job that you won. Hey, great job getting that hit. Or, or do they get the same, uh, you know, love and feedback when they go zero for four, when they yeah. strike out, when they yeah. miss, you know, don't have a good game or whatever else it be. This is, um, I think we all need this mattering. I but know. when you think of your students, uh, this is enormous. Like, do we give even subtle messages that I love you more if you get an A than a C? 
of mm. course we push mm. them for like to to do their best or to, mm. do they because this then leads kids to strive for I have to earn my parents' approval and therefore I'm going to run 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 uh, and I would suggest as Christians we would say it then also bleeds over to I need to. I need to earn my God's approval. <laughs> That's where yeah. this becomes important. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is why I feel like the gospel meets this longing, you know, to, for mattering so powerfully, because I do think like, man, so often we think we need to, we're doing all of this achieving and all of this is striving to, to get value, right. To get love, mm -hmm. to get acceptance. I think about that in our kids and teenagers, like some of the things that um, we do this as adults, some of the things that they do really is out of like, please see me, please love me, please approve of me, please make sure that I'm acceptable to you and to society. And to say like, um, you are loved, you are worthy, you are acceptable to us and to society. Most importantly to God because God created you and loves you simply because God is love. And you actually, you can achieve out of these wonderful gifts God has given you, but you don't have to in order to prove anything or to yeah. receive anything. Like God just loves you no matter what, because of Jesus's work on the cross. And because God is a God of love, like these are like core identity issues. And, you know, it's so interesting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of research that says that when people think about God thinking of them, Mm. Most often people assume God is disappointed, disapproving, right. et cetera. And that just could not be more false. Like yep. the reality yep. is this matter, like you matter mm. to God. And, right. and that's the beauty of like why Jesus died for us because of the deep, deep love God has for us. Anyway, like, this is of, powerful. This is powerful. I think of my own kids. I know I, I feel confident my kids have a healthy view of themselves and a healthy view of what Carrie and I think of them. Yeah. Yeah. Even there, you know, m my kids have played sports or whatever mm -hmm. else. And I think about in just the sports world. Do I even subtly in my excitement, give the message of mm. I'm more excited about you when, yeah, you, that's... when you make that team, when yeah. you, you know, have a good game or whatever. Like, that's hard. Or do I, do I, you know, like, Parents just need to get better after a kid goes 0 for 4 just going, hey, let's go get ice cream <laughs> at, at an older age, not right. just a younger age. Totally, and totally. Mattering. This is this is really fascinating. Oh, <clears throat> Coming so up next. So fascinating. Aubrey, I want to spend the rest of the hour asking you two questions. One of them <gasps> oh. as a pastor, one oh. of them as a parent. Good the times. first one as a pastor, what do you do when people leave your church? How hard do you uh, chase them? Yeah. How, what's it do to your soul? We're going to kind of have the nitty gritty conversation as pastors next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Aubrey and I are both pastors. And so uh, here's the conversation I want to have with you, Aubrey. It's, it's a conversation that every pastor wrestles with, but oh. I don't know that we're very open in talking about it. And that is when somebody is a long-time attender member of mm, your church mm, and they leave mm, and they make it known that they're leaving. So mm, this isn't, we're moving. This yeah, isn't, yeah. this is like you, uh, our church is going in a direction or you've made a decision or this or that. Like it's, it's that awkward. It's that yeah. difficult one. Oh, uh, oh. Here's the question. What's, what's the reaction? I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in your reaction. 
mm-hmm. when people do that. These are people you've, you know, they might not be good friends, but you've done church with for a while. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, how yeah. do you, so I, I, two questions. How do you respond inwardly, like in your yep. soul? Ah, uh, yes. And then what do you as an individual or you guys as a church, what's your process? What do you do when yep. people leave? What do you think's the right move? Oh man. Okay. I, I do want to take this away from like really good friends. Cause I feel like that yes, is where you, you're going to pursue them like crazy and just find long out what time, happened. But yeah. Long time church people that you really only see on Sundays or a church yeah. event. Right? So I'll say uh, like, it is so devastating in my soul. Like it is every once in a while. It, this is so rare. I almost hate to say it. Every once in a while, there's a person who you were, you kind of mentioned this earlier this week is the complainer is the like, kind of just always brings bad, toxic, negative energy. And you're like, why are you even here? If you hate this church so much, right? When that person leaves, there's a sense of like, Oh, phew, you know, but I would say that's so rare. Like it's not even worth mentioning, but, um, when it's somebody who you're like, whoa, what happened? Like, it's hard not to wonder what you did wrong, why your church wasn't good enough, where you could have done better. It's very hard not to take it personally, even though I don't think that's right. Like, I don't think pastors should, but it's hard not to. And I feel devastated by it. It's just like, makes me, oh, mm-hmm. my first instinct is to be like, I'm never going to love anyone again, which is exaggerative and, and not ultimately true. But it, it does. It makes you kind of build up a wall relationally. And then you just take it personally, feel bad about yourself. It it, 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 it reveals all my ugly, gross, sinful humanity. Um, But I think ultimately, like it, it's really like you do need to find out what's going on. Not everyone wants to share. I'll say we've probably learned this the hard way, but ultimately where we've kind of, and what I mean is we've learned it the hard way because we've either overdone it, pursued, 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 come back, come back. We'll change for you. We'll be, we'll be what you need us to be. And realizing like once people decide to leave, like they're leavers, they're just not going to stay. And so it kind of becomes sideways energy or we've made the mistake of just like, Oh, we missed that that person was gone and we didn't actually care for them at all. You know what I mean? So where we've landed as a church is we will send them some type of message, email, text, phone call, something that's like, Hey, we, you know, value, value your heart. We'd love to hear from you. What led to your decision? Here's the uh, information for our head mm-hmm. elder. I mean, our church is small enough that like everybody knows right. who these people right. are. Right. right. Um Please reach out if you'd like to schedule a time to meet with him. He's happy to do that with you. And not once has anyone followed up on that, but that's (laughs) always an offer that we make. And then typically, I would say there's probably some people we've missed on this, but typically, you know, we've got our renewal church postcard. We send it and just say like, hey, we love you. Uh, You will certainly be missed at our church. You're always welcome back trusting God's going to lead you to the right place for you. Yeah, and that's it. That's and then it's just like, goodbye. Like, cause ultimately I, I heard a pastor once say, and this might sound more flippant than, than this pastor means it, but Jesus went after lost sheep, not sheep who jumped the fence. And ultimately oh, what I, yeah. I feel like people who leave, they're generally Christians. They're saved. They're going to go and be discipled where they need to be discipled. I'm more concerned about the non-Christian who leaves and isn't ever attending church again. 
Mm. And that may or may not be right. That just happens to be how I feel. Like I'm kind of like, okay, well, you're you're going to go to a church. You're going to be formed. You're going to be discipled. You're going to stay in the faith. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Move on. Goodbye. I love you. I bless you. You know, I think the idea though is you want to bless people on the way out and like keep okay, like relational feelings, right? Not burn bridges. And that can Mm -hmm. be tricky because the humanity in you wants to burn the bridge and just be like, well, fine, you left me then. So it's a tension, right? Oh, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys do? Your sideways energy one is an important point because sometimes I, I think I have, as I've gotten older, I've realized that I have a higher level of like wanting stuff to be right and just mm. than I thought. Wow. So a lot of times I feel like people, in my opinion, are leaving for unfair reasons. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to be really blunt, I want the last word. Like I want to make yeah. sure they know that this isn't fair. What they're yeah. saying isn't fair. I'm not yeah. saying like to every, you know, if they're, if they're burning bridges on their way out the door, you need to deal with that. I'm talking yeah. about like what they're saying internally to you or whatever. Right. As opposed to like, I do get it. Like, I think the right answer is often like to be the bigger person mm-hmm. and to go, listen, like, I'm sad that you made this decision. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Like go and be blessed. But mm-hmm. there are times where I'm like, no, like yeah, to, they need to know the the um, uh, the unfairness of this. Or yeah, the yeah, that this causes. Yeah, but I think it's sideways energy, like you yeah. described. Like, why would I spend more per- more time on this person as their way out the door than I probably did when they were here? Right, <laughs> like, right. And I've heard it, people say this. They'll go. I left a church and nobody ever reached out to me and almost like a pro like it proves the point. Like right. that was a bad church. And part of me is like, but you left the church. Like well, I- why, why would you have been looking for like, yeah, why, you're the one who left. Like, right. what are you looking for? Yeah. So sometimes I wonder if people do it as like a test or something. Anyway, go ahead. I No, no, that's a valid point. <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to, raise this it's like a it's like a spouse saying i'm gonna threaten divorce so that you'll love me better yeah 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 careful what you you do right right i do struggle because eventually you need to just close the door Mm -hmm. there's part of me that's like i i think i can win them back over i know me too i always think that or if it's tenseful if it's like tense it's like yeah no, I'm not going to let this be this easy for you yeah yeah like i know i can argue with you and at least get some shots in on you on the way out. So it's totally unhealthy, but I think we're just trying to be honest with you here. Like, but I do think there is like, there was a couple that left our church recently and it was over something that Kevin was just like baffled by. And they were very involved leaders in our yep. church. And Kevin went to their house. and was just like, I mean, they invited him over. It wasn't like she showed up at their door, but he was like, exactly what you said. He said to them, I'm not going to make this easy for you because I don't think this is right. Like, I think you are making a wrong, bad decision. And, and he was, they were all crying. And Kevin's like, we should be crying. I am not going to soften this. Like, and so I do think actually sometimes like the pastor's role is to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Oh yeah, they definitely. They definitely <laughs> the odd thing is, is they've got an adult son who is like made a decision to stay, and it was like a whole thing. Like I, I'm an adult now, and this is the church oh, I want to be at. And okay. anyway, uh, and a little bit, you kind of like that. Your selfish part of you is kind of like yeah. your son's state. <laughs> it's so Where weird. To, it's so messed up, Brian. What you just said there, as we close this, is what I 
need to be careful of. Eventually, mm-hmm. this becomes a pride thing for me. Totally. Like, oh, I'm not going to let you reject us and reject me this mm. easily. Like you're, go- we're going to fight this out. Yeah. And I know you're still going to leave, but I want to get a couple shots in on your way. Out the- totally non-Christian, non-pastoral. Thinking, totally. Totally. It's what, my, it's what my gut always tells me. I'm in telling those you, it's so hard not to. We're good. To do that. All right. Coming up next, I want to ask Aubrey a question about parenting that I had a good conversation with someone the other day. It's about schools. Hmm. And what do you actually expect from your schools? What do you want from your schools? Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, I think it goes in some interesting directions. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. All right, Aubrey. Uh, w- mentioned this earlier in today's show, but for people who aren't aware, you and I are both parents. Uh, yep. I've got two high schoolers and a college student. You have a, what, a junior higher and two high schoolers? Two junior hires and a high schooler. Yeah. Six, six, eighth and junior in eighth. high school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So next year you'll have one year where you got them both and two of them in high school. Isn't that crazy? Oh, time. Uh, time. As the one, I, so I only have one, I only have one sibling. Uh, so your middle son will, he will process it because- I was a freshman when my brother was a senior. Oh, you were. Well. Yeah. And it's fun because there's car rides. Oh, and yeah. Seniors. seniors are saying hi to you as a freshman. That's cool. But there's also the weirdness of like, they're the senior. They're, it, everyone's being like, you're his brother. Like, Oh, his I brother. see. You like, kind of don't get to be your own person or whatever. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll just, watch out for that. That's good. It, it might have been coincidental with some other things, but I was able to spread my wings in <laughs> high school probably more after okay. my brother graduated. So it's yeah. a both man, but I, That I makes never sense. Took the bu- my freshman year, I never took the bus because you my got to just ride with. School. Yeah, that's cool. That's what and the cool like kids got to do. Like you said, when you'd be walking down the hall and the cool senior is yeah, like, hey, man. what's up, man? And like yeah. your friends are like, whoa, you know you that know guy? Like, that. <laughs> that. Uh, so that will, uh, uh, that will be your thing for them. Okay. All right. And as parents, um, we, you and I have actually chosen, our families have chosen different school routes. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Uh, so as background, and this will be important for the conversation, as background, um, my kids, they went to public elementary school, public junior high. My yeah. oldest daughter went to public high school, Downers Grove North. But we have chosen to to put our other two kids at Wheaton Academy. Remember, yeah. we talked about that yesterday with Corey. Yeah, Hockett. with Corey Hockett. It's uh, great. Whereas your kids have been in um, public school all the way through, including high school. So, yeah. uh, so just some different routes to have yeah. we've, we've done and. Uh, here's the, here's the conversation I was having with somebody the other day, all that to say, here's the conversation. What as a parent do you expect from your school mm, to put it another way? Like interesting question. Cause part of that question is also what don't you expect from yeah, your school? Yeah. Like, what is not part of schooling for you? So this is a really big question. You could take it different yeah. directions because huh. I think it also begins to determine do I stay in the public school? Do I mm-hmm. homeschool? Do mm-hmm. you? Because some of this is what determined for us to send our kid to yeah. uh, kids to Wheaton Academy. Yeah. Um, so well, let's start it very broadly. Like, what do you and Kevin expect of your schools? And then maybe also, what don't you expect? Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like I need to think. Sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I feel like it's a question I need to think through myself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I mean, it's this seems like you almost don't need to say it, but an education. <laughs> I think <laughs> like, you do need to say that right now. Like I'm yeah, glad you started so. that because I think schools are getting 
they're missing that. Now, mm. Obviously, especially, you know, our kids are out in the suburbs. They're getting yeah. educated well. Right, right. But have our schools lost a little bit of the focus of education? Interesting. I, I think so. Good. Interesting. There's a couple of re- – all right. Ready for yeah, my tell me why you moment? think so. Let's hear it. Yeah, let's soapbox it. I like soapboxy, Brian. Uh, one of my frustrations with my kids were in junior high was this. It felt like increasingly teachers, meetings, everything was happening during the school day. I understand oh, teachers do like they negotiate this and contracts yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But I felt like my kids were being taught by substitutes mm. often. Mm. Not not the majority of the time, but I was like, can we not do these meetings after school? Can we not yeah. do these meetings? Huh. And again, I get that that's that's negotiated sure, sure. contract. But I felt like there was this interesting. Wow. Okay. Like it feels like things were losing the point here a little yeah. bit. And then on top of that, and this may come for you or later or not, but like I I want more about my kids learning reading, writing, and arithmetic, to use the old saying, totally. than worldview. Yeah. Than, yeah. You know like and I felt like I feel like yeah. that is also shifting. Like so I do think yeah. your education one, I think it sounds obvious. But I think that's part of the problem right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely want and, – and I want – yeah, I want them to have the skills they need to, like, get into college. I mean, I feel like that's, like, help them to do well in math, well in reading, well in, like, problem solving. And um, and that kind of – even things like – I guess what I'm longing for now, things that really matter for our kids, like – this feels so obvious, but like they all need to learn how to type. I think a lot of them need to learn how to code. You know what I mean? Like some For of those sure. things that like, you know, I know some people are like, oh, our kids aren't learning cursive anymore. I'm like, I, that's, I like cursive. It's great. But like that actually doesn't feel helpful for yes. like, they Needed. need to learn to code and type. Sure. Like they need to learn how to use technology. That's true. Um, I, I do think like for me, it's especially because I've got kids. I've got one kid who's an athlete. The others are a little more artistic in nature. Um, I want to. I want two things. I want my kids to be pushed physically. So I like PE. I think mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. matters. Their exercise is part of their health. And then on the other side of that, I want my kids to be exposed to like art and music and and things like that as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, uh, yeah. Opportunity to be able to play in a band or be part of a club after school or something like that. I think Um, for us, go ahead. one of the uncomfortable things for me became, um, and again, I would gladly have sent my kids to to the public school. Like I like to tell people we sent our two to Wheaton Academy more for what they could get there, not trying to They can get amazing things at Wheaton Academy. It wasn't more, it was less about what we were removing them from. Like I know a lot of people are making schooling decisions right now of like, I have to protect my kids. Right. 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 With that said, I don't know, you know, public schools are different with each town. Um, there did there, there did seem to be some uncomfortable agenda pushing that mm. I was I was like, well, that's not the point of school. Mm. Like, I yeah. don't need that. Right. It's the same way I told you I don't need them reading the Bible in school. Like, yeah. I don't need you to be forming. That's their not worldview. what school is for. Yeah. Right. I don't need you to be forming their worldview in kind of a. Uh, aggressive manner. Yeah. Kind of an aggressive manner. And, and that became, and then for me, the last one, and then we'll see if you have any more was, uh, and this was also part of why we moved him to Wheaton Academy was 
there's such uh, um, important friendship opportunities at this time of life. Like mm. this is you're forming. How do you do friendships and what is important in friends and all of this stuff? So anything else come to mind? I, well, I was going to say that like uh, that social aspect piece, I really mm-hmm. I, I that really matters to me. Like I want mm-hmm. my kids to know how to engage with people they're friends. I want them yep. to know how to engage with adults like coaches and teachers respectfully. I want them to know how to um, engage socially with people who are not like them. Like, cause I think there are some like unnamed skill sets that school provide just through social yep. interaction that help them be thriving adults in the world. You're around people all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you yeah, know, there are some things that's funny that I like. So when I was in school, we learned how to like write a check and balance a checkbook. My kids really? have no. Yeah, that was like, we I don't even know that. what class yeah. we were in. Like, I remember having like fake checks and we learned how to write them. And again, checks are old school. Like it would be a different technology now. But there are some of those like home ex skills that I feel like my kids don't get anymore that I wouldn't mind right. if someone taught them right. how to write a letter. You know what I mean? I remember how to when go I was to the in bank. high school. Yes. I remember when I was in high school, my best friend. Uh, he, I was in like AP classes and stuff and he wasn't, we were in one honor something class and he ended up dropping it because he wasn't going to do well. Like it just wasn't his thing. And I was in it and he dropped it and then took auto mechanic class. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And then I used to drive him to school and I got a flat tire once and he changed it and he made the comment like joke messing around with me. Like, see, yeah. honors history wasn't working out so well for you. <laughs> I mean, I that's like, a great life skill, right? I kind of wish I did learn yeah. some of those life skills, yeah. some of those things going. So it's an interesting question. I would encourage people out there to think about yeah. if you have kids, grandkids, like not just what are you looking, but what do you expect of your school? Mm-hmm. And then go ahead and make decisions based um, on that yeah on that. like what do you want for your school and then make mm-hmm. your decision like you said public private homeschool yep. whatever yep. else it might be hey brian and i are so glad you've been with us today we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m for brian from i'm aubrey sampson and you've been listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.